Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. Well, all right, it's me, Dr. Fuck from Thrasher Die, and with me, as always, is... Oh, yeah! You mind saying your name? Do I have to say it every fucking episode? Yeah, I like it when you say it. It gives it more, uh, you know, clout. It's Ian Wadley! Hi, Ian. Yep. Hello. How you doing, buddy? How's the iTunes reviews coming? We got any? Uh, fucking iTunes reviews. Get off your asses, will you? Give us some iTunes reviews. I like reading that shit. You sons of bitches. Ungrateful freeloaders. Unlike say. unlike the freeloaders we have on YouTube that always leave us reviews. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but because th- that's easy. Uh, well, this is people. good. Th- these are good. We got we got a couple good ones. All right, I love YouTube re- reviews. Yeah, and this one is uh, from from our star Max Power. This one uh, is for the Beatles White Album episode. He wrote after hearing about how Ian's corporation with law enforcement brought in arch villain to justice the rock and metal combat podcast schooled me all my life i've never been into the beatles now i realize that i have never even given them a fair chance commentary from ralph and ian along with the song clips from the album in the episode made me want to learn more about them i'm in the remedial class now but i have confidence that hooked on rock and metal combat podcast phonics will work for me oh and i almost forgot Rock and Metal Combat Podcast listeners, I know you just got Stanley Hampshire on 180 Grand Vinyl and are itching to give it a spin. But I have an important job for you. Write a star, five-star iTunes review, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It will raise your karma and make you more attractive. Who knows? You might even work up the courage to move out of your mom's basement soon. Thank you, gentlemen. Keep up the good work. Yeah, Max Power, another quality. Yeah, guy. man. If everybody was like him, yeah. It. Now this one I really love. This guy is called Nathan Lewis. This shit is hilarious. It's actually TikTok man. Oh, okay. All right. TikTok man. Love TikTok man. This is the YouTube exclusive from last week when we talk about porn. Oh yeah. This shit's great. He says, "Doctor Fuck, let me start by saying." You and the Ayatollah are the best thing in podcast world and radio in general. Your love of rock and metal is infectious, inspiring, and appreciated. But your love, Dr. Fuck, of porn with many, many dicks is quite disturbing. (laughs) I love me some hot porn and crazy shit, but dude, why all the dicks? I'm down with 12 chicks getting on one dick. Yet, you like 12 dicks on one chick. (laughs) Not to mention, want all the dudes to be huge, deep dudes. (laughs) Or beep dudes, you know what he meant by that. (laughs) As a fan, I felt I needed to reach out and make you, and make sure you don't have some sort of homo fantasy of getting mouth raped by a posse of huge beep dudes. (laughs) I feel I'm not alone in my concern for your future and possibility of contracting AIDS. So I'm hoping you can ease the mind of your many followers and reassure us have no love for man juice, hog swallowing and sword fights. Seriously, 
fucking love you guys. You make my Sunday holiday for me. Thank you so much, TikTok man. Now, I want to I want to reply to TikTok man. <laughs> I bet you do. Oh yeah. Now, no, don't worry, TikTok man. I'm not I, I'm not a homo. Honestly, I really ain't. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's wrong if I do it. So anyway, but here's my point. I used to not be this way. And I didn't explain this on that last episode, and Ian probably doesn't know this about me. But stemming back to the Guns N' Roses chick, if you listen to what what uh, if you listen to our Chinese democracy, you hear all about her. That girl destroyed me so bad that I've had two girlfriends since her, and ever and I've never gotten jealous of those girls. And when it did end, I didn't give a flying fuck because this Guns N' Roses girl totally ruined me. Now. I have, like, ever since her destroying me, it's like I have these fantasies, like, you know, these girls I'm seeing, I like to see them get gangbanged by beep dudes. And uh, I've been desensitized, so blame her. But I still, and here's the thing, I like watching it. I would never, like, take part in it, though if I was ever invited to a gangbang with a bunch of beep dudes and one girl, I would gladly sit in the corner and like whack my pud. That's it. That's as that's as far as I'll go. But I, I just love. That's why. That's why I'm that way. And I hope I answered your your question, TikTok man. You're just gonna sit in the corner. You're not gonna play point guard or anything. Nope. Unless unless you can request it, then I'll take the mouth while they take the back. As long as I'm not near the dicks. Because I've done that many times before. I've had. You know, uh, one at one end and I'm at the other end. That's happened many times before. But I've never done DP because that's just too close for comfort. And um, and and believe me, uh, there were times I could have. And I was like, no, no, no. I ain't going to do that. Anyway, our new favorite commenter. This is the last one, by the way. Our new fit. There are other ones, but you guys got to spice it up like these fucking... These, these comments to get on, on our show. Yeah, they're raising the bar. <laughs> and this guy's awesome, and it's for the same, uh, the exclusive, the porn one. And it's Buttfutter. Remember her? Him, Buttfutter? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is what he says. Well, well, well. We meet again, Rocket Metal Combat Podcast. A YouTube search of heavy metal porno and my un ending crest for dirty depraved sexual satisfaction has led me to your front door again i enjoy many a filthy fetish gangbang grannies fat chicks taking it up the pooper and even unsuspected walmart patrons taking a tinkle (laughs) never in a million years did i ever think a podcast could satisfy both my music both me musically and sexually you are the future now, if you excuse me, I'm going to resume resume my search and spend some quality time with my tender bits. <laughs> Hashtag my boners back 2017. <laughs> Buck nice. Fodder. That guy fucking rules. We're like audio Viagra. That's right. And there are other comments like Justin Childers and stuff like that. But come on, Justin, you're funnier than that. And actually, I'll just, I won't read it, but you know what Justin pretty much said? It was the Skid Road episode. He was kind of like saying that Scott was funny. And I don't find that to be a funny review. <laughs> yeah, Scott wants to be the latest DJ on that metal station. I mean, uh, uh, 
uh, Justin does. That's right. Anyway, so there you go. That's uh, that's all the. I, I, there are more YouTube reviews, but I I'm drawing the line. You know, the past episodes I read like, you know, hey, this is a great episode. You rock. I love this album, and I bought it when I was 13. None of those, none of those type of reviews anymore. It's got to be like Buck Futter and Max Power. Yeah, we appreciate all reviews, but if you want to get right on the air. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, please leave whatever review you want, and I and I do enjoy reading them. But I'm just saying, for for time restraints, we need to, you know, we need we need to like you know move it along because Ian, I understand. Finally, we got some fucking news. Yes, it is the return of the news. This and week. boy, what a week it's been. Oh yes, indeed. And. Uh, well, sh sh should we talk about the 800-pound gorilla, or should I just go in order with the stories? <laughs> oh, whichever you want. It doesn't matter. People hang, uh, regardless. Yes. All right. Well, fuck it. We'll just go in order, then. Uh, here's one. I, I, I can't believe this. I'm like, really? Again? Uh, it says, Anthrax is recording tonight's concert in Glasgow for a forthcoming DVD, which is them celebrating the 30th anniversary of Among the Living. How many tours have these guys done where it's playing Among the Living? Seriously, I think there's been at least four fucking tours. Oh, so they're going to release the DVD of them playing the whole thing. Yeah, but it's like, God damn, you, you got other albums. Did know? you know, I, I don't know if this happened the whole tour, but my guitar player, Ryan, went up to Orlando to see them play all Among the Living. And you know, they didn't play Imitation of Life. Really? It's like, hey, ain't that false advertising? I don't know if it was just that show, though. Actually, that was the show where, I don't know if you remember this, uh, Scott got food poisoning. So they had somebody fill in for him. I can't remember. Oh, wasn't, uh, was that Andreas from Sepultura? Maybe it was. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh, maybe that, maybe he didn't have time to learn that song or well, something. fuck, you know uh, one world and you don't know that. It's like weird. That, but anyway, I, I hate that song right. regardless. I would have I welcomed it. But whatever. Yeah, god damn, talk about played out. Really? You know, and, and it's not even Danny Spitz, you know, come on, man. Right. What's up with that? It's a shame. Yeah, you, you talk about, you know, bleeding that well dry. It's like, God, our, for all kings, the best album we ever played. And, and, well, you know. Or how, how about doing fucking spreading the disease? Yeah. Tour? How about getting Neil Turbin, you know, <laughs> and do a whole fistful of metal. Just so, you know, 10 people will buy it and I'll be one of them. Uh, here's some funny news. Uh, singer Joshua Allen quits Bobby Blotzer's rap. <laughs> That's still going on? Yeah, but now he doesn't even have the singer. If you, you know, like a lot of the other musicians were uh, being interchanged every other gig. But there was a lot of praise, and I gotta say, I thought he sounded damn good, this singer. I'm like, damn, he does a good, you know, you know, just like, you know, uh, Ralph, whatever his name is from Steel Panther, can do a, a perfect David Lee Roth. Right. I think this this guy did a pretty damn good uh, Stephen Pearson, you know. And right. I, of course, it's always like somebody recording on their phone, so some were better than others. But I was like, ooh, goddamn, that does sound good, you know. Musically, what always gets it for me, you know, would be the the guitars because no one sounds like Warren Demartini, but Warren Demartini, uh, you know. But I, I was like, oh, that singer does sound good. Well, now he even knows that this shit's over. You know, Blotzer still says, no, this is not the end, but uh, well, it's the end for that singer. You know, so it, it's pretty much a done deal. 
Uh, Ed, Ed Rat just played a casino show, uh, and I think uh, so, somebody from the page went to it. It was them and uh, Great White, the Great White without Jack Russell. But uh, I watched some YouTube footage of that, and Piercy sounded pretty damn good. Supposedly he's sober now, and that's helped his vocals a lot. How's his uh, stage presence? Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I get, dude, I'm the biggest rat nut swinger. Just got an awesome copy of uh, uh, Invasion of Your Privacy on white vinyl. Man, I love me some rat. But uh, yeah, he just he just doesn't have that presence, man. He's I, and lifeless. He's just like the bo- yeah. most boringest frontman ever. Yeah. Like he'd rather be anywhere else. But I. But uh, what happened, man? Because let me tell you, man. I saw Rat destroy Billy Squire on the out of the cellar tour, and he was phenomenal. And then the following tours after. He wasn't as boring as he was, even though I gotta say, you weren't there, and I don't know if I mentioned this. Rat had the worst sound man on yeah, Invasion, yeah, Dancing, Undercover, and that uh, Way Cool Junior album. I saw yeah, all three tours. Uh, I saw Dancing Undercover actually twice. It came down here twice. And, uh, dude, it was like, you know, first I thought, oh, maybe they fucked up. Then the second time, it's like, wow, I caught two in a row. But then when I saw Dancing Undercover twice, and it was like, sound shit, I was like, oh, they need to fire that guy. Then reach for the sky. I went. It was like horrible again. I was like, "You got." And dude, I'm telling you, man. Everybody back then was saying the same thing. But this was pre-internet. I'm talking about everybody in right. South Florida. They well, had well, the worst sound man. So I, you know, but he still wasn't lifeless like he is now. Let, let he, does he have a hernia or something? I don't know. But he, he. I mean, he is old. He's older than all the rest of the guys in the band. I mean, I know he had a hernia, but they got rid of him. But. Uh, now, when you're saying this about the sound, are you saying the band as a whole or just Pierce? No, the sound of the band coming out. It wasn't even the band sounded bad. The sound man. Right. Okay, it sounded so like you couldn't make anything out. It was just terrible. Wow. Wow. Now, now, see, I've seen them. I've only seen them since way past their prime. I think the first time I saw uh, Rat was in 98. Yes, I saw that too at the Button South, and they sounded great. But that, yeah. but but Stephen Percy was lifeless. But that was like, let me tell you something. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but the most fun I have ever had at a rat show was when they had Jizzy Pearl. That was the most fun. It was the best, and and John Karabi. It was the most killer set list. It was fun. It was energetic. It was just a great, great show. You know, I mean discounting the out of cellar because they were young and hungry and they were just that was the best time but that Jizzy Pearl show blows away every show I've seen since and and before other than the out in the cellar I saw them when they opened for the Scorpions dude it was like so bad and it was because right. of Stephen Pearcey I met Blotzer afterwards and he was a really nice guy I bought his book um now every time I've seen him I, I, I've never saw him when they like stunk but sometimes better than others but yeah it's just there's not that much crowd interaction with him, you know, and he just kind of, I, I don't know what it is, but I still, you know, I, I love his voice, dude. I would rather have, i said this many times, you know, give me a David Lee Roth, a Vince Neil, a Stephen Piercy, any of these that have, like, you know, a voice that everybody says is only a studio voice. Give me that any day that some Pavarotti motherfucker, you know, uh, bellowing about dragons over a fucking Ingve Malmsteen solo. You know what I mean? Like, like, fuck all these classically sounding vocals and shit. I like the gruff realness of Roth and, and, and Vince and, and Piercy. But 
the difference is Vince and Piercy, I mean, uh, Vince and, and Dave at least got like a presence, you know, and unfortunately Steven doesn't. I mean, I'd still go see him. Anytime they come around, I go see him. But it is different than most bands, I believe. But know? it's wild because he did have a presence. Look, you know what's a great example of how good he was live? Um, the You Think You're Tough video. You know, watch the video and watch how he is on stage during that video. And Wanted Man also shows like live footage where he was very animated running around stage and he was just a great front man for that time. I, I thought he was great. I saw it myself. You know, and wow. it's just weird, man. It's weird how he just, just, you know, there well, is that footage he fell off like a 10 foot stage on Behind the Music. Maybe that did it. Maybe. I mean, I mean, maybe it could be something physical that he doesn't share, or it could be, uh, you know, because I saw him solo once, too, and and, uh, and it was pretty much the same thing. Uh, but, you know, or is it is it the anim... Well, I, I can't say it's really the animosity with band members, because when I saw him solo, it was kind of the same thing. Maybe he was a little bit more talkative solo, but still, I don't know. I mean... And I don't say this to deter anybody. Please go if you get to see him, man. No, I, I don't think he ever sounded bad. I mean, but it's right. kind of hard for him to sound bad because it really doesn't take much effort to sing like Steven Tyler. He doesn't hit high notes or anything like that. Right. It's just like, you know, I don't know, man. I like this. I like a front man, you know? I mean, that's I'm a big fan of front men. Right. Know? Like Dee Snyder, you know, David Lee Roth and, shit, and Phil and Selma. Those, to me, are my top three, you know? Maybe he's a big influence on the grunge scene where they just stood there. <laughs> yeah, that's how I see Yeah, I see it like that, man. He's like the Eddie Vedder of Hair Rock. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, man, hopefully Rat comes around here because I'd love to see him. Uh, but a band I am going to see just kicked off their show the other night, and that's Overkill. Uh, kicked off their tour in Philadelphia. And, uh, man, I cannot wait for this. Uh, I had to go on Setlist FM and check out the Setlist. Uh, I gotta say, it's a good, it, it's a it's a good mix of new and old. My only gripe was uh, the length of it, and I know like this is a co-headlining tour with the band Nile, and I, I really don't know dick about Nile. Oh, Nile, Nile is so look. I, I like early Nile of the Black Seas of Vengeance, but live, dude. They're just too pummeling. Their music is way too pummeling. And it's like, after they're done playing, you're like, you're catching your breath. It's just too much, man. It's too much blast beat. Too, it's like it's the most extreme death metal. It's just too, too much for me, man. I've seen Nile so many times that now when they come, I don't even bother. Yeah, that's, that's what I was afraid of. But the set list was like 14 songs. And uh, but it is it's a cool mix man they, they play all the good a lot of the good new shit you know and there's a few classics man but I would you know there's no power surge or uh, you know in, in Union We Stand oh, I hate that song I'm glad I don't play that uh, I, I love them all but I mean trust me it's a good set list the only thing is it's like when you see these package tours man I would I would rather see a two hour overkill show like that DVD they got that's amazing. That's what I want. Like yeah. 30, 30 fucking Overkill songs. You like know, the, show, the show I played. When I opened for Overkill, they played about two hours. I filmed it. It's like yeah. a two-hour show. I remember. Because when I make DVDs, I can't make a DVD over an hour and 40 minutes. So I couldn't put it on one DVD. I had to put it on two. It's like, it was like well, close to two hours. Maybe a, a buck fifty. What tour was that? Uh, White, White Devil Armor. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, I, wow. I opened for him in uh, Tampa. All right. Well, might as well get to the fucking 800-pound gorilla. All and right. Talk, and talk about Metallica at the Grammys. Uh, Lars Ulrich recently went on uh, the James Gordon show or some shit like that and uh, said that James Hetfield was livid um, for the fuck-ups on the show. And uh, and you can see the video where at the end he kicks over his mic stand, he throws his guitar, uh, and uh, Lars said he hasn't seen him that mad in, in almost 20 years. He said, uh, you know, for about 10, 20 minutes backstage uh, in their dressing room, he goes, it was not a place anybody wanted to be. So I don't know if it's just out of embarrassment, you know, or... Uh, or if it's something he really didn't want to do. But, uh, man, I'll I tell you, I, did, I didn't watch the Grammys. I was like, fuck this, The Walking Dead's back on. I never you know? watched the Grammys. I watched YouTube afterwards. Well, you know, I'm, I'm usually, a, well, I would say the last 15 years I quit watching the Grammys because there's, there's not even new music that I like that isn't metal. Uh, you know, but I, I'm an awards guy. Like I watch, the, I like the Oscars and the Golden Globes, and all that shit. I love award shows, but man, the Grammys anymore—they totally don't, you know, show metal. As a matter of fact, the Metal Award—I I watched that today on YouTube when they gave it to Megadeth, and it was done before the show started. And they show like this empty amphitheater where there's only like maybe 50 people in their seats. And they do that—they do that every year, actually. Yeah, well, you know, there was a big uproar in the late 80s because they did that with rap. The rap award, uh, when it first started, I think the first three or four years was done before the, the televised event, and there was all these cries of racism and, 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 and you know, the Grammys are anti-rap, and at that time they were showing rock bands because that's what was in vogue. And then it just totally flipped 180, you know, and then they haven't televised... Uh, the rock or metal, and I think like ten years, it, it's always done beforehand. You know, and you no, know what I gotta say about that. And this is a very interesting, weird thing about the human race. Um, if they were to put rock acts, I don't think ratings would go up because the mass they don't like it. Come on, let's let's be honest here. It, metal's only popular in Europe, but at the same time, you can't get like rap artists to play stadiums. Where Metallica and Guns N' Roses are the, are the biggest chords going on. Metallica just booked a play a stadium down here. Guns N' Roses playing stadium. Why is it? That's the weirdest thing. How? Well, I, I, I think what I think there's a couple things. Uh, first of all, rap is a uh, it, it, it's it's more of like a creation, a, a studio creation than an actual live breathing band. If you ever see rappers live. Because of how rapid fire they say what they have to, you know, they say what they're rapping, they pretty much got to stand still. Anytime you see a rapper on stage running around back and forth, they're so out of breath, they can't talk that fast. It's a little bit different than singing. I did and, see, uh, I took my niece to see Eminem. And uh, opening it for Eminem was uh, ludicrous. And uh, yes, rap is just two guys walking back and forth. Because Eminem had an entourage, ludicrous had people. They were just running back and forth, back and forth. And I'm not here to bash, because I think a lot of rap is very credible. And there's a lot of good rap out there. I just think, I mean, and then again, I'm judging rap by one show. I could be wrong, but I mean, 
Eminem had little props on stage. He had like a Mariah Carey looking girl swinging on a swing, doing something. He had little props, but it's it's just, I don't know. There's something about just people talking into the mic, walking back and forth, did nothing for me as far as like entertaining. You know? Right. There is an amount of fucking, you know how Donald Trump is always like lying, uh, or crying about fake news, fake news? Well, there's, right. there's people on Facebook doing fake news to, 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 to Metallica and Guns N' Roses for that matter because people are like, three, dollars to see Metallica? Fuck you. And then somebody else like, oh, in Orlando, it's, uh, it's, it's the cheapest seats are all the way to the top and they're $300, $200 all the way on the bleachers. And I looked into it and no, it's $55 and the floor is $155. And just people, now here's where the, the confusion happened. Uh, Metallica had pre-sale uh, yesterday, where the, they officially go on sale on the 17th. On uh, Valentine's Day, they gave it out to like fan club members and people that are part of some bank, I think City Bank or something. And those tickets were like a 240 something, but they were VIP, but not VIP to meet them. But I don't know, it's some kind of VIP bullshit. I don't know what they give you. Well, well it might it might be like, remember back in the, the Black Tour, the Black Album Tour where you yeah, can sit pit. in the snake, yeah, the the snake pit. pit? Yeah, yeah it might be it, that. But either way, nice. it's like, dude, do your little fucking research before you go crying about how much it is. Number one, you're not going to go anyway. Because there's a lot of people out there, let me tell you, man, and I, I honestly do believe this. I honestly wholeheartedly believe this. And I know a lot of people ain't going to like what I'm about to say. But people will never, ever give Metallica a chance, no matter what they release. Because honestly, that last album, if it came out in 89, if it was the follow-up of Master of Puppets, it'd be so People would be saying, that's their best album. You know what I mean? It's just, that album is thrash, man. There's a lot of thrash, there's a lot of killer shit. It's like, dude, you know me, man. I'm the, I never, fucking like Metallica and I and I hated Death Magnetic and I hated Reloads and, and the Black Black Album to an extent but the new one is fucking great man it's really fucking good I just yeah. listened to it today and I'm like dude they, they're so good now you well I, I, I think the problem is though is, is, is in typical Metallica fashion you know since the late 80s early 90s every time they take you know one step forward they take two steps back uh, yeah, you've got people who are still are never going to give them a shot anymore. They like they've already ruined. But I, I think you did see the tide turning back a little bit with this new album. People like, yeah, okay, good. This is my Metallica again. Not everybody was on board, but a lot of people. All were my like, friends oh, are. Dude. Uh, I don't uh, have one friend in South Florida that likes the new Metallica. Not one. Yeah. And you know, I I, I ain't naming names. I'll tell you up here. I know one guy that bashed it without even hearing it, and you know who it is. And I'm like, really, dude? You haven't even heard it, and you're already bashing it. Right. You know, it's like... But, but there, there's going to be that. But I think with a lot of the goodwill that they got back with this album, so many people were pissed about this Lady Gaga thing. I mean, oh, it didn't happen. Oh, I totally well, am. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hear me out. Uh, you were pissed off at, at, at just the idea of it or no. after the fact? No, no, no. Not the idea. I'm willing to give everything a chance. I saw her performance and it was fucking 
terrible. And I'm not a Lady Gaga hater. You know that one song that goes, rah, rah, Gaga. It's, yeah. I find it kind of yeah. catchy. It's not bad. Bad right. Romance, I think it's called. Yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's not, a, it's not, it's just, I mean, I didn't run out and buy it, but I was like, hey, this ain't that bad, you know, whatever, you know. And I heard another couple other ones from her that were pretty good, you know, I mean, for, for what she does. Yeah, but basically, it's, it's, a, another, it's another Madonna, you know. But the Metallica thing, it, look, number one, it's the way it started fucking pissed me off because you had all these fucking little hot chicks on the side headbanging, but they weren't even headbanging properly. They were, like, shaking their bodies and headbanging. Yeah. You can tell they ain't into Metallica. You can tell. No. And no. then Lady Gaga comes out of that little group and starts doing these little poses and goes up to Lars and... And James, and then there's one part where she stage dies, which you can tell it's so fucking like planned. And then right. when they throw her back on stage, she gets like on her knee and gives like this, you know, the diva look. And yeah. while Moth to the Flame is playing, it was just so. And her voice, dude, she was doing like the little Aguilera, Christina, <laughs> during it. It's like, no, her voice does not fit it. And it's just fucking terrible. And then Lars comes out and says, She's officially the, the, the fifth member of the band. And you know what? We're thinking of collaborating with her. And I'm thinking to myself, God damn, I guess they got tired quick of kicking ass again. <laughs> well, that, that's what I mean by, you know, one step forward and, and two steps back. Yeah, uh, you're right. You're right. And it's like, fuck me. I hope she just stays the fuck away from Miami. Well, that's all I have. You, you know, I, I didn't even watch the uh, the whole performance. I've just seen, I've seen clips, but... That was enough for me. I mean, I knew it was a bad idea, but again, it's, you know, like the biggest metal band in the world, they, they still want to be bigger. They still want more acceptance. And maybe maybe they felt they need to win back some of these, you know, uh, these jock motherfuckers that they probably lost with the new album because it's too heavy for them. You know, they want to win back those reload motherfuckers. So uh, they did this shit. Yeah, who knows? But all I know is like, whatever, man. Didn't I don't even know. Did their last album go to number one? It did, right? Oh yeah, it did. Of course, you know nothing's gonna sell like it did in the '90s because people are gonna download that. That's just a fact. Especially Metallica, because a lot of people have hard-ons because of the Napster thing. Right. And a lot of people are very, very misinformed uh, you know? what what uh, what Lars was fighting for because a lot of people think. Oh, he's going to sue the fans, which he never did, by the way. And, well, uh, he, he kind of threatened to. He I threatened, mean, he, but he didn't do it. But his whole his whole explanation was like, dude, you put up uh, a version of I Disappear that's not even done yet. That's what pissed him off. It's like, I right. want control of what I put out there. Like, I wouldn't, and dude, believe me, I wouldn't want somebody to put out, you know, like some thrasher die stuff that's not done. You know, right. I would, I would want, I would, you know, I want quality control, and that's basically what he was bitching about. And but, uh, but then in it, retrospect, dude, you know he was right. Now look, look yeah. at all the methods. It's oh, he was absolutely right. And if you look at the charts, uh, you know, the stuff that that really, really sells is is like kiddie type music. You know, like like stuff little kids like to listen to nowadays, and country music, and and. And that's that's people too stupid to fucking download, you, you know. But, so, but when you're a band like Metallica, you you know this shit's gonna sell anyway, and you have the power that you can bring out anybody you want, 
You know, they always talk about, oh, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Diamond Head. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Merciful Fate. Why don't you bring them motherfuckers out on tour and let, you know, the masses get exposed to these people? Or, or like another just killer thrash band, especially now because they're like so-called going back to the roots. They just put out a good thrash record. Bring a fucking thrash band. Don't bring this fucking mall metal bullshit. But in the 90s, they did the same thing. You see them with Limp Biscuit and fucking Days of the New. You know, and, and fucking Corn. You know, like, come on. Bring no, I some totally fucking agree metal. With you. I agree with you. And, and all right, let's say, okay, you don't want to take the old guard out. Well, take newer bands that are doing something uh, fresh and new with metal that still has that element, you know, that people will love. You know, yeah. if they love Metallica, they're going to love, like, fucking uh, Municipal Waste or Iron Raven or, you know, they'll love all that shit. They'll eat it up. And believe me, that's what we need. I mean, we need people to fucking hear fucking stuff that's, like, real, dude. Seriously. Because all this right. shit is, like, I'm sorry, Event Sevenfold may, be, may have been around for a while, but in the long run, dude, they're not going to be, they're going to be a footnote. Yeah, and, and their five minutes has fucking passed. But, you know, or even if you're going to bring out, okay, then in this case they have two opening bands. How about this? How about bring somebody from the old guard and somebody from the new guard? You know, take take out Armored Saint and, and how about Havoc? You know, something like yeah. that. You know, yeah, you know yeah. old, old and new to, to bridge it to, you know, something for the metal community, for the metal fans. But, nah, they're trying to play this cookie-cutter Hey, this is what the kiddies on the radio listen to, so we're gonna bring them. Some bands have to do that shit. Like you, you always yeah. see Anth Anthrax touring with these fucking shitty bands that they should be headlining over, and and they're having to split the bill because they have no fucking choice. But Metallica has all the power in the fucking world, and who do they, and they just play it safe. I was so so disappointed by that. That that, that pissed me off way more than the, the Gaga shit. And I don't give a fuck what they're charging for prices. I don't care about their haircuts. I don't care about any of that bullshit. But man, when you go on tour, take some fucking true metal fucking soldiers out with you. Not this mall metal pussy shit. Thank you. You're right. I, I completely agree with you. Um, we got one more story, right? Well, I do. Well, yeah, I, I, I got a couple, but we're running out of time. Uh, go ahead and tell yours. And, well, uh, we, got, we also got to talk about, you know, the Clueless Grammys, how they played uh, Master of Puppets when... Uh, yes, <laughs> Megadeth, yes. You know, because it's a house band. And, uh, you know, shockingly enough, Dave Mustaine didn't seem bothered by it. Even did air guitar on the way to get the uh, oh. award. And... He did a little dig, I guess. I don't know if you can take it as a dig from the top. Oh, I took it as a dig. Yeah, I goes, well, dick. you know, it's not easy to play Megadeth. You know? Right. But, you know, they but, could have played Symphony of Destruction. Come on. That's but, easier than Master of Puppets. But, but that just shows you how clueless they well, are. I mean, but, that you know, here's the thing about the Grammys. And I, I've, I've said this on a past episode. The Grammys does not upset me. Because they're just clueless people. They don't know what's going on. It's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that does that out of spite, you know? Right. But the Grammys don't, don't know, dude. I mean, all I can say is look at Millie Vanilli, you know? Uh, that right there shows you their credibility. And uh, uh, Jethro Tull. Yeah. yeah, Jethro Tull and all that shit. They, these are people that do not know anything. I mean, seriously, not even in pop music they get it right. You know, they, they're just clueless people, you know? But 
Yeah. You know, whatever. Uh, Metallic. I mean, Megadeth will have a little thing that says Grammy winner, and for the, all the all the fools that that actually care about the Grammys, uh, we'll probably sell a couple units. You know, I saw this was like last year, and this really upset me. I think I said this in a past episode. It just fucking grinds me when I saw at Best Buy there was a CD, a brand new, a brand new CD out, Grammy artist. It's like, oh, you know, it's like spoon fed. Hey, this is. Like, buy the city because they're approved by the Grammy. It's like, yeah, get the that, fuck that, out that, of here with this. That's something some middle-aged housewife or grandma's going to buy. Yeah, and they and they eat it up. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to like this. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'll never forget a relative of mine uh, got me a record for Christmas. And, you know, bless her heart. I mean, she was like in her 60s at the time. But she just went in a record store and said, hey, you know, Oh, what, what, what would you buy for, for, I think I was like nine years old time, what would you buy for a nine-year-old boy? What's popular? You know what I got for Christmas? I got fucking taco putting on the wrist. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, like not the 45. I got the whole fucking album. <laughs> so, so there you go. But yeah, yeah, I think it's a shame. It, I think it's a shame how... You know, metal is just so looked down. But again, like you said, it, it's the Grammys. Who cares? Because even when they did put us on there, it's just because we were the flavor of the month and we were selling records. I mean, do you think these Grammy people like rap? They hate that shit. They hate it, but it's what's selling now. And all they want is somebody to turn on the boob tube and pay attention. And you're going to get more kids by playing rap than you are fucking metal. But back in the 90s, when everybody was screaming racism against rap, it was all about metal. So they just go with whatever's fucking popular. And, you, you know, know? And, and as much as, like, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame pisses me off, they don't even piss me off even as half as much as the people that complain about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and complain about the Grammys. Dude, there wouldn't be a Grammys or a fucking Rock and Roll of Fame if you didn't care. But just too many people fucking care. You know, I remember when King Diamond, didn't, didn't King Diamond win or get nominated? I think he won a Grammy. Exactly. That I'm not sure. I think he did get nominated. I, I know, know, no, no, no. He for sure got nominated. I'm not sure if he won that. Or not. And everybody was going fucking ape shit. All right, the king got a Grammy nomination. It's like, dude, what's good about that? But whatever, dude. People are just idiots. Everybody out there, when go, um, if you really care about the Grammys and who gets nominated and who wins, do me a favor and punch yourself in the balls, thank you. Yeah, it's 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 like. I mean, but punch it really hard because I don't want you to have kids. I don't want I don't want that that fucking mentality that spawns. You know, it's 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 like uh, Andrew Jacobs saying he's your number one, uh, your number one podcaster. Who gives a shit? Well, I can't. I don't want to say nothing about that. <laughs> yeah, because cause you're number one. Now. No, you know what? It brings attention to our our podcast or whatever. To, uh, to like, you know, to whoever sees that, you know. But, uh, there you go. but, you know, I will say this just to show you, you know, I mean, um, Mark Allen Taylor is like on that list. Okay. So, I mean, I, I take it with a grain of salt. You know? <laughs> yes. I mean, that'd have to be the worst podcaster ever, you know, without <laughs> a doubt. Freeform Rock Podcast. There, There's a plug for him. Go check it out. Check out what I'm talking about. How terrible it is. Freaking garbage. Alrighty, well, that was a pretty good uh, news segment there. What do you say we get to the album everybody wants to hear about, 1987's White Snake? Really? 
<laughs> Who wants to hear about this shit? Ah, oh, fuck it. Let's hear it. Well, here we go again. <laughs> with this, oh, boy. With a review of 1987's Whitesnake. Yeah, you know, the way we came up with this one is, you know, me and Ian were throwing out ideas. Hey, you want to do this band, that band? And then Ian said, yay, why don't we do Whitesnake? I go, all right, let's do the the self-title. And Ian's like, what? And I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> and then Ian's like, oh, okay, since you are the star. And then I listened to it, and I was like, oh, man, what the fuck was I thinking? But there is there is some parts I like about this album. But, boy, oh, my God. Some of this album is more dated than Ian's mom's card to the uh, member card to the glory holes. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Uh, the first time I heard this was uh, MTV's uh, Still the Night video. And it blew my mind because I was like, holy fuck, there's Rudy Sarso, there's Tommy Aldridge, there's Vivian Campbell, and there's John Sykes. Yeah, I thought, I thought Vandenberg was John Sykes in that video. <laughs> Goofy me. And uh, then I went and bought the album. I'm like, where the fuck's everybody? I only see David Coverdale and John Sykes on here. Then I found out it's Vandenberg. And I was like, yeah, I love Vandenberg. I love I love Vandenberg's albums. Uh, all three of them. And um, so, you know, I was like, all right, cool, Vandenberg. I mean, he's no John Sykes, but I love me some Vandenberg. So, but it's kind of weird how, you know, you completely change your fucking lineup after you make this album. It, it was strange, but you know, America, we didn't notice. You know, unless you were a rock fan, you know, you'd think, uh, you know, Rudy Sarza was Neil Murray. <laughs> now, were you aware of White Snake before this album? Yeah, I own uh, Slip of the Tongue. Slide It In? Yeah, I'm sorry, Slide It In and the live album in the Heart of the City. Okay. I've owned both those, and I've owned those, yeah. I, I owned, actually, Heart of City first. Then I got, I got uh, slided in right when it came out. Because I saw the video for, uh, what is it? Down and Slow and Easy. Slow and Easy. I saw that video. Uh, MTV showed that one, and MTV also showed Loving a Stranger. And on the strength of those two videos, I went out and bought that album, and uh, I enjoyed it. You know, I like that album. Uh, and then this one I went and bought, and uh, yeah, some of it, you know, I mean, it's very rare. I mean, I think it's like non-existent for me to listen to something now, and it do I don't get the same charge I did when I was young. But this one, yeah, listening to it now, I was like, wow, I used to like this song. And now it's kind of dopey. Musically, it's still good, but you know. I don't know, the whole theme of some of these songs are, are ruining the music for me. But I'll get into that when uh, we get into it. But And oh, and this album was huge. And oh, yes. They were on tour with Motley Crue, but by the time Motley Crue got here, it was Guns N' Roses. Because Whitesnake got too big to be an opening act for Motley Crue. So then Whitesnake came here, headlined the same place that I saw Motley Crue, Hollywood Sports Club with Great White, and it was the first time I ever saw Great White, and I was very excited, but I was pretty let down that the only thing they played that night was On Your Knees from the first album. But uh, yeah, they played Face the Day and, and uh, Save Your Love, which I like that song. The rest is garbage. Uh, uh, no offense uh, So uh, yeah, that's my, my that's my lead way to the huge, gazillion selling album, White Snake, self-titled. Well, uh, I, I first, you know, came this the same way you did with the video for Still of the Night. 
And unlike you, though, I had never heard of White Snake before. Knew nothing of David Coverdale. Didn't know he was in Deep Purple. Knew none of this. I mean, this is, you know, uh, Slide It In came out, I believe, in 84. And I just got into metal like the end of 85, early 86. So I totally missed that. I wasn't into that era of Deep Purple yet. Uh, so I thought they were just this new band, you know, that had an older guy up front. And I, I just loved Still in the Night. I just thought that was one of the coolest songs I'd ever heard. Uh, so I went out and got it. And my neighbor across the street, he got into it even bigger than me. He thought it was the greatest thing he ever heard. And he immediately went out and bought all the old stuff. Because uh, they started, you know, as soon as this hit big, they went back and re-released a lot of that stuff that you probably couldn't even get in the States until, you know, they started flooding the market with the old shit when this became a hit. But back then, I didn't really care for the old stuff. I'm like, ah, this ain't like, uh, you know, the 87 album. But now it's like, I'm the opposite. I like the old shit way better than, uh... Well, I, I love Slide Slide It In, probably my favorite. But, uh... You know, I, I, I like the shit before it. I, I like, you know, overall better. But yeah, this was a huge album, and it just didn't go away. They kept releasing single after single and video, and uh, man, really, really saturated the market. And it was a huge crossover, too, because with the balance, you know, they got not just the fucking, you know, the, the rockers, you know, they got the, the chicks, too. And I know a lot of chicks who bought this album and ended up hating it, other than, you know, the, the, the love songs. But, uh, yeah, no denying it, its uh, impact, but, yeah, it doesn't have that staying power. You know, that's what we're going to discuss. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, and also, even before Sliding In, I was a big fan of John Sykes on the strength of uh, Thunder and Lightning alone. I wasn't really that keen on uh, Tiger the Pangtang, which I do dig the, the Spellbound album a lot now, but I, I got that even after Whitesnake came out. But I was a big fan of John Sykes. John Sykes, to this day, I'd have to put him in my top five, you know? Uh, right. And, oh my God, does he shine on this album, you know? He really does. He's amazing on this fucking album. Uh, but um, it's just a shame, you know? I mean, it's it, it, it's great, and there's justice that he, he made a lot of money off this thing, I hope. You know, I oh, hope, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I hope he did. You know, he made... A shit ton of money, but didn't have to do the legwork. Uh, didn't get, get the fame, you know, the, the adoration. Because then when uh, Blue Murder finally came around, like what, four or five years later, after this album, uh, I saw Blue Murder in, in a little club, you know. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he played Still the Night at that show and uh, uh, Crying in the Rain. He played a couple songs from this album and, you know, post rock and stuff like that. But, um, uh, you know, that that was my favorite member of Whitesnake is John Sykes, you know, hands down. Not Coverdale, but I do love David Coverdale. I love his voice. It's shot now, but back then, man, I'll tell you, the best time I ever seen David Coverdale was the the, the, the tour with Steve I. Yeah, that's the only, oh, uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry, that's not the only time. That was the first time I saw him, was that tour. His voice that night at the Miami Arena was unfucking believable that was him at his peak, and then after that it went downhill, but my god, that guy had a fucking powerful 
extremely powerful voice at that show. Uh, that album's kind of shitty, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like Sailing Ships. That's a good song. Yeah, there's a few songs I like on there, but overall, and Steve Vai was totally wrong for that band. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. But, you know, money talks. Yes, sir. All right. So you want to start this out? Yeah, and uh, one thing I want to say is uh, what we're reviewing here is the North American version. Uh, because the European version not only has a different uh, <clears throat> song order, it also has more songs. It has 11 songs, where the, the North American version has uh, has nine. And uh, just a little you know, history going into this. Um, uh, David Coverdale was fighting real bad with uh, Cozy Powell by the end of the, the Slide It In tour. And Cozy Powell left right after it was done. And Coverdale uh, wanted to, uh, you know, fold the band. Because at that point, it really much changed, you know, with Slide, Slide It In was way different than, uh, you know, the, the previous albums and, and way different lineup. But he was going to fold it, but it was the record company, Geffen, who signed him in the U.S. said, no, you and the Sykes kid got something really special here. Let's do another album. And I always wondered, like, what was the fucking, uh, you know, the bad blood between Sykes and uh, Coverdale? Because you never really heard, you, you knew there was the blood, but you never really knew what the problem was. And doing some research today, I finally found out, wow, it doesn't surprise me now. <laughs> I'm sure uh, it's Coverdale, right? No. Ooh. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, they both are pissed at each other, but I can see why Coverdale's the one who's pissed because what happened was uh, they went and recorded. They went off to uh, I think France or somewhere uh, to record this, and while they're writing it, uh, they started working on it. Coverdale got a real bad sinus infection, had to have surgery and everything, and there was like a six-month downtime. And Sykes wanted to replace Coverdale. What? Yes. <laughs> and that's where the bad blood really started. Then I can see, like, wow, you're trying to kick the singer out of his own band. Now I can kind of see why Coverdale pulled the fuck you. You know? Now, that's if this is true. This is this is what's on Wikipedia. I've never seen this before. But, uh, wow, I can kind of see that, you know? And I always thought it was strange that, you know... You, Neither one of them ever mentioned it, but I can see why that would piss Coverdale off. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this was recorded between September '85 and April of '86. Yet wasn't released till April of '87. You know, and a lot of that had to do with all the downtime with Coverdale. Uh, you know, him pretty much firing the whole band. He went through two producers on the, on the recording of this. Start out with Mike Stone, and then he got rid of him and got Keith Olsen. So, there was a lot of drama even before this was released. And, uh, but we'll go into the first song, and that's a re-recording of a song that was on Saints and Sinners. There's two songs on this album that were on uh, a previous album, Saints and Sinners, uh, one being this one, Crying in the Rain. And I dig it, it's all right. This was... It, technically, it wasn't a single, but it was released as a promo to radio stations after uh, Still of the Night hit. And I like it, but to me, it doesn't hold a fucking candle uh, to the Saints and Sinners version. You know, this is very much a dumbed-up, uh, you, you know, uh, 
the you know like a eight a late '80s version of it. And I, I thought the the original was much more powerful and bluesy. And I dig that one way much more than this. But it, it, it's all right. I don't know if it's the best opener, but uh, it's all right. But it doesn't hold a candle to the original, in my opinion. What do you think? Uh, I think it's way better than the original. It's my favorite track on the album. Wow! Wow! Uh, and, it, and it's weird because you're, you're you're the cocklock lover. How the fuck do I like this one? Of you? I know. It, 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 yeah, I guess it does have that '80s element, and I know the original version. Not bad, the original version, but I feel exactly the same that you do, but vice versa. And right. yeah, this is the most smoking John Sykes solo on this album. Boy, there's a lot of smoking solos on this album. But holy fuck, does he go ape shit on this song? Uh, I love Crying in the Rain, man. It's uh, definitely the standout track for me, man. As, lo- as well as one of the singles. And uh, I love it. I love this song, and I'll go into the next one. Well, uh, hold on. I wanted to ask you a question because I don't remember. They didn't do a video for it, though, did they? No. Okay. No, no video. For All right. This. There's four videos from this album. Okay. Yeah. Five, five singles. Like I said, this one, it, it's kind of a, you know, is it a single? Isn't it? But it was just released as a promo. But uh, I never heard it on the radio or anything either. You know, back All in right. the day, the original version wasn't wasn't released as a promo. But you know what it was released as? What's that? A homo. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, uh, going into the next track, Bad Boys. Now, here's a song, what I was talking about earlier. Boy, you talk about dating. And I remember, <laughs> I, you know, it's not that I ever loved this song, but I thought it rocked. It was rocking, you know. So, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, it's like one of those songs like, all right, it may not be great, but it rocks so I can get through this shit. Musically, it rules. It's just... I don't know, man. There's a lot of songs out here that the music rules, but the whole lyric and content, and David Coverdale's like, you know, they, you know, that's why um, he fits better with bluesy stuff, and also with um, uh, the Deep Purple stuff, because you can get away singing shit like, well, not Bad Boys, that won't fly in fucking Deep Purple. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Actually. Uh, this is D- David Coverdale trying to fit in to the yes. whole, you know, uh, Motley Crue, you know, uh, yes. type you know, lyrics, and it, it ruins it for me. But man, the band is on fire on this song. Uh, musically, I think it fucking kicks ass, man. But bad, bad boy on the <laughs> on the summer of the moon. What is it? On the summer of the on, moonlight. On, under, co- under cover of the moonlight. Under cover of the moonlight. <laughs> it's, it's, it's laughable now, you know. It's like yeah. this, this is something that you you know you, you find like lyrics like this on "Look What the Cat Brought Dragged You know. And actually, if you know, I, I'd hate to say it, but if this was on the "Look for the Cat Dragon," people would actually say, "Wow, compared to the rest of this album, this is kind of intellectual." <laughs> Undercover of the Moon Knight. Wow, who knew Brett Michaels had it in him? You know, <laughs> instead of singing like you know, what is it? Uh, if I I want oh man, let's review Poison on acid. Yeah, <laughs> that would make me cry tough. That would that would be the greatest review ever. Let's take acid and just goof on Poison. <laughs> let's do a double shot, Poison and Bon Jovi. Oh yeah, man, some fucking uh, seventy thousand Fahrenheit, whatever the fuck. 
for a second. I just had the shit scared out of me. I have this life-size poster of Black Sabbath behind yeah. me and it just fell, but it made a noise. It didn't fall completely, like, just one hinge and it went like this. It went <laughs> against the wall and I turned around and scared. I thought somebody was in my house. And I have a feeling the reason that happened was because I was singing Bon Jovi. I think so too. <laughs> listen, listen. You hear it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta stop doing that. I just cursed my house. Yeah, yeah. We might want to trip and listen to something else. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. I ain't doing that shit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. I only had uh, "Slippery When Wet" and "New Jersey," <laughs> and those are those are the only Bon Jovi albums I've ever heard. Well, I got, I got. Well, actually, I got the first two uh, as uh, hand-me-downs. Yeah. Uh, well, not hand-me-downs. Hand-me-downs when your brother gives you something. Uh, somebody just got yeah, this shit sucked. You want them? I was like. I'll give him a listen. Even though I already saw Bon Jovi open for Scorpion, and it was so bad that when I went to go see the Rat Under un, uh, Invasion of Your Privacy tour, they were opening, yeah. and I stayed outside drinking Jack Daniels. I ain't gonna sit through that shit again. And that yeah. was the 700 Fahrenheit album. Uh, and I've never seen him since. I only saw him one time. Uh, Love First Thing, 1984, and people, everybody was like, dude, let me tell you, this. I'll tell you a funny story about the Bon Jovi show. Nobody was into it. He was up there, you know, his little pretty boy with his little fucking purple leather pants running around. I'll never forget that. And then at one point he goes, you gotta love the Miami Dolphins. And the place went, <sighs> went ape shit. I was like, oh, really, dude? You had to reach that low? <laughs> you're gonna say that in Miami, of course you're gonna get a good reaction. I hear everybody in Miami likes cocaine. <laughs> Exactly. I'm sure everywhere he played, like, I heard what you gotta love to watch the Redskins. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you guys like Crockett and Tubbs. <laughs> you imagine going, playing Giant Stadium like he does now. You gotta love the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> yeah. See if he survived then. Yeah, get shot. Poser. <laughs> no offense, Bon Jovi fans. Oh, it's not Steven. my fault you like fucking <laughs> Bon Phony. You were molested, I'm sure. Oh, good lord. By uh, women. You <laughs> <laughs> were molested by women. It scarred you so much, you turned to cock. <laughs> oh, bad, bad voice. Wait, wait, one more thing about Bon Jovi. He's oh, yeah. seen a million cocks, and he sucked them all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, lord. Bad, bad voice. Uh, funny, you know, the way you described it is probably how I was when this was released. Um, probably like, you know, 12 year old Ian thought this was pretty fucking cool, but 42 <laughs> year old Ian thinks this fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, this is about as dumb as you can get. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned Motley Crue, because in my notes I was like, did Nikki Six sue these guys over these <laughs> fucking lyrics? Because this, this is definitely some first band on the moon shit right here. 
Oh my! I was listening to this and I was like, I, I couldn't even laugh because I was so disgusted. I was like, this is fucking retarded. Uh, but I, I did put in my notes, nice solo. You know, uh, the I, I don't know about the rest of the song. I, I couldn't even listen because I just heard the lyrics. Yeah, and I yeah. Was like, no, honestly, dude, you take the vocals out of the song, it rocks, dude. It's a rocking tune. It's just horrible lyrics and, and delivery and it's just it's a little trying to it's like dude david you're not that person you're not vince you're not brett michaels you're not bon jovi you're <laughs> david fucking coverdale you remember fucking you know stormbringer asshole <laughs> you know it's like you fool no one <laughs> it's like dr seuss and lee gersman had a fucking kid and he wore a motley Crue shirt and wrote this shit yeah, you know, backstage but, at a poison concert. But I, but I'm sure this is played on the Big Bushy Hour. <laughs> <laughs> hey, every Sunday night. Hey, you know, there's people that listen to us that are like, "Fuck you, I like Bad Boy." So to you people, every Sunday night on that metal station at 9 p.m., check out the Big Bushy Show. Yeah, and say hi to the first band on the moon for me. <laughs> Woo! Bad boy, I love you. She is your mom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good lord! Yikes! Uh, all right. Well, enough of that bad shit. Let's go to the first single off this album, and I think hands down the best song they will ever do, and that is "Still in the Nights." And as much as this was love, man, they they also took a lot of shit for this. If you remember back then, Let's about uh, yes, what a what a blatant uh, ripoff it was. Robert Plant came out bashing this. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He he doesn't like David Coverdale at all. Yeah. And that was before Coverdale page. He really hated him after that. Can you imagine how pussy got a, a Jimmy? And I think that's why he probably uh, finally said, you know, Jimmy, let's do something so you can dump this asshole. Oh, I, I think so. I think that's what finally pushed him over the cliff. Was yeah. Like, oh, really? You're going to do an album with him? All right, fuck it. I'll come back. You yeah. know. Just to piss that idiot off. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, man, what, what a fucking incredible song. Uh, Sykes, Sykes at his best. And adding, you know, like the, the bow on the guitar, which nobody's really done since Led Zeppelin. Yeah, uh, yeah it, I'm sure it was definitely fucking, you know, inspired. But uh, I don't, I don't care. It's done so good. I, you know, hey, Led Zeppelin borrowed from everybody themselves, so uh, I, I don't see no fault here. But now, I, I also have to correct you. No, nobody did use a violin bow after Led Zeppelin till this, but you forgot a very important band that used an actual violin on their guitar. I'm talking nothing but the great Nigel. Oh, yes, Final Tap. Man, what a <laughs> genius. He's doing that shit. It sounded a little off, and he tuned the, the violin, and then it sounded perfect. Yeah, <laughs> played it with his shoe. Uh, but uh, another thing I didn't know until uh, doing some research for this is... The song originally came from something that Coverdale was fooling around with uh, with Richie Blackmore on. That he found like his mom gave him a box of old shit that he had laying around at the house. And it was some old tapes from him, uh, him and Richie fucking around. But he says that it's changed so much from that. He goes, 
you know, trust me, he goes, you know, Richie would have sued me if, you know, it sounded just like what we were doing. But that's where, uh, you know, he got the idea, took it to Sykes, and it became what it was. Interesting. But, uh, you know, I, I would like to hear what that sound like because, you know, Blackmore wasn't, you know, he ripped off page two. I mean, listen to fucking, uh, you know, Lady in the Lake. That's fucking wanton song if I ever heard it, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much blatant ripoff. There, even though I love both songs, but uh, you know, this isn't like an outright ripoff of Cashmere. It just steals that kind of part to it, but uh, it works. It works. Hell, I, I like this better than some Zeppelin songs. You know, so that I mean, that speaks in volume there. Incredible, never to be repeated again. Uh, hands down the best thing on this album and in their career, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I would put this one, like, right there with Crying in the Rain is my favorite track. Uh, yeah, it blew my mind first time I heard it. I love this song. This song has aged good, too. You know, it's got that, you know, swagger and, you know, the Zeppelin-esque, you know, uh, Black Dog, you know, you can, you know, even though I hate Black Dog, but, but you know, it's kind of like the same thing, the breakdown, the vocal solo, and breakdown but uh yeah dude and and yeah it, i'm telling you this song when it came out it blew up you know i remember back back then mtv used to have a thing called hit clip of the week yeah and this was the hit clip of the week because i i know this because i fucking recorded it on my vhs recorder back then which i still have and has a little hit clip of the week on the side of the video in the beginning uh, yeah, it, it, it was very well. This is like, uh, what's that guy's name with a big beard that worked for Geffen? Um, John Kalodner. Kalodner was behind this yes. shit. And that guy, man, he, he made, you know, he brought Aerosmith back. And almost anybody he, he dealt with, he would explode. So he really backed Whitesnake with this. And uh, I'm sure it got a lot of pull on MTV. And yeah, it became humongous, you know. And then, and then you know, uh, the next song on the album it took them into the stratosphere. But this one, you know, because this one appealed like to the guys and, you know, chicks that know how to suck dick good. But here I go again, to, uh, you know, like, one, you know, uh, little girls with braces that don't know how to suck dick. I haven't ever sucked dick. I, you know, I haven't even had pubic hair yet. Or got into it. But this one was more manly, you know? Yeah. It, was a, it was a good song for, for slutty girls. And, uh, I love it. I love School of the Night. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very, it's aged very well, and it's like, you know, not the most popular song on the album anymore, but before the next single came out, it was. Uh, and I think this is like the second most popular track on the album. Well, maybe not. Maybe that stupid ballad is uh, more popular. But, yeah, I love it. All right, I'll go into the next one. All right. Just like a hobo. Oh, no, that's a different version. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Here I go again, which uh, they made a video for this song way back in the original version. Correct. Uh, David covered it on a church, I believe. It's been so long, I, I can't remember. Uh, I don't like either one. Never liked this song. This is the only song that features Vandenberg on solo, am I right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, yeah, he's on one of the three versions, yes. <laughs> but, but on the album, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, on the album, it's not Sykes. It's actually... Uh, well, well, 
Well, Sykes plays guitar, but the guitar solo is Vandenberg. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, he, he, he's the only one that does the solo. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it's not, like, terrible. You know, I won't say, oh, my God, you know. But, yeah, if it comes on the radio, I'll see what else is on. Uh, it's so played out, but it was even played out back then. But, yeah, it, it, it like I said, it took him into the stratosphere. But, uh... Yeah, every time this shit would come on, I'm like, oh shit, here we go again. But yeah, fuck this song. I don't like this song. Never liked it, though it's very popular. The most popular song on the album. And uh, I could do without it. And it's very dated sounding, too. With that stupid keyboard. Sucks. Oh, yeah. Well, especially depending what version you hear. Uh, because there is the original version. This is the other one that was on Saints and Sinners. And uh, I hate that version. And that's the one where he says, uh, like a hobo, yeah. I, I was born to walk alone, that he changed it because he thought American audiences would think he was saying homo. And, uh, <laughs> you know, hard, hard rock then was very homophobic, you know. Uh, no, it would have worked. <laughs> yeah. All uh, right, he said homo. Hey, clown, did you hear that? Hey, <laughs> hey, Joseph Childers, come here. He just said hobo. Yeah, but that's the song that taught Justin how to suck it. <laughs> yeah, every time a fucking cock gets in front of his face, he's like, here we go again. I, I, I picture him having this on cassette with a boombox he takes into the bathroom. You know, <laughs> like how they play Crazy Train at sporting events. He takes this into the fucking rest stop and just hits play on the cassette. <laughs> and just, blah, 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 blah. Here I go again. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I hate every version. And there's an even worse version than what's on the album is the radio mix version that has uh, damn near a, a different lineup. It has all guitars played by Dan Huff, who was in a horrible AOR band called Giant. Oh, I remember uh, that shitty band. Yeah, and also he would then he would go on to be a producer, and he produced like Risk by uh, uh, Megadeth. Uh, yeah, yeah, good going. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, yeah, and 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 Denny Casimiri, Casamassi or whatever the, the fucking asshole from uh, Heart and uh, Montrose played drums on it. Uh, another dude on bass, Mark Andis. Uh, and they kept they kept the original keyboards, uh, but it's even worse and, and more uh, pop sounding than what's on the '87 album. Yeah, I hate every version, but I mean, there's no denying uh, what a hit this was. And I believe this was their only uh, you know number one song in the U.S. Uh, funny enough, there's another song out here that went to number two because it was held off by Faith from George Michael. Talk about timing. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I hate everything about this. Uh, and, and this is exactly what I was talking about. Like, people who don't like Whitesnake love this song. And people who like Whitesnake don't love this song. Yeah, I honestly believe if you like this, you don't like Whitesnake. <laughs> uh, what a piece of shit. All right. Then we go to the next one. Uh, which is Give Me All Your Love. Now, this was the fifth and final single from the album. 
or fourth if you don't count crying in the rain um cheesy as fuck and i love it i i, I, lo I think it's catchy as hell and uh you know maybe part of that is you know you didn't get the burnout factor as much as you did with uh you know the first three singles uh you know, I mean, I do remember seeing the video on MTV, but you didn't see it as much as, uh, you, you know, all the others. So it didn't get burned out as much, and I do. I think it's just a catchy song. It's very of the time, very dated because of the keyboards, but I like the song. What do you think? Well, damn, Ian, I, I have to agree with you, believe it or not. I, I really, I think this is a fun song. I don't really think it's that dated, actually. It, it, it's This is where David Coverdale fits well. You know, and the music, I mean, the music has that little bit of a polish on it. You know, you just can't escape it on this whole album, but I think it's really good. I think it's a really good song. And an interesting thing about the video to the song, it's actually uh, Vivian Campbell doing a solo. Oh, yeah, yes. The, the, the video is a different mix. I believe this video is that lineup. Am I correct? Uh, let me check on maybe, that. Maybe not, but I know... For sure, Vivian Campbell did the solo on that song. And, and I could be wrong, but I think even Vandenberg, did, they did like a switch-off maybe? I don't know. No, the, the only difference on uh, on the single mix was Vivian Campbell. And that's very interesting. And and it's a cool solo, but I do prefer the Sykes version. Right. And, but and I... oddly enough, John Sykes and Vivian Campbell both really borrowed a lot off Gary Moore. They had that Gary Moore sound, both of them. You know? So he was a perfect choice to replace John Sykes, I think. Right. But uh, right. yeah, I dig it. I dig, uh, I, I, I like the video. It's very 80s, you know, home sweet home, uh, concert right, right. shit. And right. It's a fun video. It's a fun song. And uh, I dig it. I dig this song. It's, uh, you know, there's only one more song I like off this album. <laughs> the rest is garbage. Well, it'd be interesting to hear what that yeah, one is. Yeah, because you're probably like, what? There's actually another good song on that Yeah, there's another one I like that's very dated, but I still have like a little... I, I listened to it today, and I was like, you know, it's it really stupid, but for some reason, I still like it. Oh, but I hope it's the same one. We'll see. We'll all right. See. Okay. So, all right, I'll take the next one. The, all right. The Abysmal Is This Love. Oh, my God, is this fucking terrible. This is so bad. And uh, I remember the video and Tiny Katane. That was a good part of the video. The video is awesome if you turn the volume down. You know, you, you, you turn the volume down, listen to the mentors, it'd be a great video. But, uh, <laughs> but, but oh my God, this song is so boring, bland. Uh, everything I hated about Power Ballads is all encompassed in this one song. Great vocals, you know. Uh, David Coverdale, I love his voice. But it just doesn't save it, you know. It's, and and what really bothers me about this song is where he goes, "Is this love?" And you hear in the background, "Ding ding ding!" <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, is that terrible? It's How so, does it go? Ding ding ding! <laughs> that I'm feeling this must be love. Ding ding ding! That I am searching for. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, is this love? No, it's it's some bitch that was fucking OJ ten minutes ago, and is about to dump you later. <laughs> fucking idiot. Anyway, I uh, you know, I, look, I don't want to bash David Coverdale because you know he's a great singer and he's a legend in my eyes for his 
Deep Purple work, but uh, seriously, I mean, Tiny Katane. Yeah. I mean, how did Robin Crosby taste? Seriously. It, yeah, yeah. Oh, he tasted a little like OJ. <laughs> I, I tasted more OJ than fucking than, than Robin Crosby on that one. Oh my God, is this fucking terrible? Is this love? No, it's it, what it should have been. It, you, they should have renamed the song as that. Like, hey, sign this prenup, you dumbass. She probably fleeced his ass. Is this love? No, actually, the answer is no. You know, now you know. You don't have to be Nuster dumbass to know that. That bitch like jumps from hole to hole like a jackrabbit. <laughs> Fuck this song. Is this uh, love? No. This is shit. That's what it is. Is this love? No, it's shit. It's fucking shit. Would you turn it off? Thank you. Ding, ding. Is this love? Ding, ding, ding. No, it's shit. I, I think this is why uh, OJ killed his wife because he thought his wife was actually David Coverdale because they looked the same at the time. Oh <laughs> uh, no! I, actually, I, I can't lie. Uh, I hate fucking ballads uh, generally, but uh, I love this song. <laughs> I actually do love this song, wow. but it doesn't sound like uh, it doesn't sound like White Snake to me, and there's a reason for that. This was not written for White Snake. This was actually written for Tina Turner. And I don't know if she turned it down or they just decided to keep it, but he was approached to write a song for her. For for the, you know, private dancer album. David Coverdale was? Yes. Wow. And and he he ended up uh, keeping it. They they don't state the reason like I said whether she turned it down or not. Uh, but at the time, uh you know, a lot of people were writing the songs for her comeback, for Private Dancer. I believe, uh, what was the big hit? Uh, What's uh, Love Got that, to Do it? Do With It? Yeah, I believe that was written by uh, the dude from Dire Straits. And, was, and and her hairdo was done by Nikki Six. Yeah. <laughs> it was either the dude from Dire Straits or... Uh, Mark Knopfler? Yeah, it was either Mark Knopfler or it was the dude from uh, the guy from Eurythmics. I David, think all of them David, had some David, David, David. Yeah. Man, I know, uh, I know my shit when it comes to crappy shit. But yeah, I mean, that was all written by other uh, other artists. And like I said, I don't know if this was rejected or he just decided to keep it. But I, I do love, and I, I love uh, Sykes' solo on it because it's so clean. It's a real clean guitar on that. And uh, I like and, Mark Knopfler, though, by the way. I said, you know, something derogatory toward him, but... I really right. like Sultan to Swing, but I don't really like the version everybody knows. There's a version you can find on YouTube that's like a B-side from an early shit. An early yeah. thing. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind, I don't mind some Martin. I mean, I hate the shit from Brothers in Arms that got killed on the radio. Oh, I don't want to hear that, that walk of life bullshit, you know, but... Look at that yo-yo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, um... But yeah, I, 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 I do like the song, and, and this one I can tolerate, I can't tolerate, uh, Here I Go Again. Uh, this is the one I was speaking about that was uh, stopped at number two by George Michael's Faith, or, or else they would have had another number one. Uh, but yeah, I, I surprisingly for a ballad, I dig it. Alright, well we'll go into the next song. <laughs> Children of the Nights. 
Oh my god, this is another retarded fucking rocker. This sounds like it could have been on like Quiet Riot Three, <laughs> you know? Oh th yeah, this is just fucking dumbed down shit. Uh, it's beneath, uh, in my opinion, it's beneath Coverdale. But it's him trying to fit in with the times, you know? And uh, it didn't fit to me. You know, there's, there's a reason why I don't think you know you, you hear this at all because it sucks, you know? Totally stupid, dumb filler track. What do you think? I agree with you 100%, but this is the song I was talking about. It's so stupid and horrible that I still like it. And I was like, man, I can't help but liking this. It's like, are you ready to rock? I'm like, yeah, David, I am. I'm yeah. ready to rock, man. And here I am rocking to the song when they're playing it live. And he's going, are you ready to rock? And I'm like, yeah. And then he said it like the fifth time. I said, I told you, yeah, I am ready to rock. And you guys are fucking rocking. And I'm rocking with you. And then toward the end of the song, he's like, I'm getting ready. I'm like, wait a second. You're not ready to rock? What the fuck, dude? You're telling me if I'm ready to rock while well, you're not even ready to rock? Yeah, this is the pre-rocker. This is like the fluffer song. He'll play a real rock song after this. That's where the actual rocking will take place. But like Bad Boy, I think the music kicks ass and uh, even kicks more ass than Bad Boy's musically. I think it's a smoking track with some retarded ass lyrics. That, you know, I guess that's, you know, uh, one of those rare exceptions where I like a song where the fucking lyrics are just beyond fucking retarded. You know, they're fucking poison level shit that I can actually get into. There's always the I, exception to the rule. I, I, I think I think Nikki Six listened to this album before he did Dr. Feelgood. He's like, holy shit, I'm going to write this down. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's like like Bob Dylan with good hair. Like, I'm going to write that shit down. <laughs> Bob Dylan with good hair. <laughs> oh, man. I'm getting ready. What do you mean you're getting ready? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it means he's blow drying his hair. Motherfucker's been asking me to get ready, and he's not even ready yet. I'm ready. I'm ready to rock. Give me ten more minutes. I'm ready to rock, and this guy is almost done with the song, saying, "I'm getting ready." So like, what the fuck? Oh god, first band on the move. Ouch. All right. Well, at least both first band on the move had shitty music with the shitty lyrics. Oh, it, 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 melded it melded better than this song. <laughs> well, speaking of shit, I'll take the next one. Holy fuck. Straight for the heart. Oh my god. This is like dumb and dumber. It, it makes me think of Justin Childers and Stephen Kirsch at the mall dancing. You know, like, they, they, they see each other from, from across the food court. And just start running in joy and dancing like fucking Springsteen in the uh, in that fucking goofy video, you know, or, dancing or, or in the dark and shit. Or dancing like Tom Hanks in that in that uh, that guy in Big on the little piano on the floor. <laughs> yeah. I can picture those two doing that. <laughs> oh god, and then they just grab hands and and run through the mall smiling and shit. Only oh. on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast we goof on our listeners. That's where you watch why we roll. Oh my God! Uh, yeah, this this one is really, really bad. Like I, like how does this make the album? You know? Oh man, total total fucking filler, and and that's an insult to filler. 
what do you think is straight for the heart? Straight for the heart? More like straight for the toilet. Fuck this song, dude. Flush it, make it go away. This song sucks more than your mama Gloria. Woo! Uh, I couldn't come up with something clever. But neither could David cover that when it came to this stupid song. <laughs> Holy fuck, man. And what did he say in the song? Like, you know, uh, you know, it's your cliche, like, you know, yeah, I'm coming for you, baby, and I'm the best there is type bullshit. I already, I heard this album today, man. And when I got to this song, I'm just sitting there patiently thinking to myself, how long is this shit? How, how much more do I got for this shit? <laughs> I, I know, I think I called you an asshole a couple times listening to this album. Because <laughs> I, I, I wanted to do what, I was like, oh, White Snake's a band we haven't done. And I'm thinking like all these different weird ones we could do. And you're like, how about, you're like, you're a numbers guy, let's do 87. I'm like, yeah. oh, fuck. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was thinking, let's do the big one, because you love numbers, so, you know, if we, if we do, like, you know, like, you know, Love Hunter or some shit like that, yeah. nobody's going to listen, so let's do, let's do this one. I'll tell you a number I don't like, 1987. <laughs> and that was a shitty year. Other than Guns N' Roses and maybe a couple thrash albums, boy, that was a terrible year for music, for metal. You know, oh, you had all the, all your heroes releasing garbage like this. Uh, oh. oh my God, yeah. I, and you know what? It, it it will be a crime if we still expand on this song. <laughs> so let's go to the next one. Don't, all right. Don't turn away, bitch. I didn't even finish this song. I had to turn away. I had to go to the fucking record record player and lift it up. Yes, I do own this on vinyl. And fucking I. I I have to admit, I don't think I made it even two minutes into this one. This one is just, just I guess, like, straight for the toilet to this. It was like, all right, enough, man. I'm going to get gas here. I'm going to shit my pants. So uh, I, I can't give it a thorough review. All I know is, like, I don't give a fuck if this shit turned into Stairway to Heaven. The first couple minutes I heard, it just fucking ruined it for me. It's like, there's no way. I don't care how good, better this song gets. It could turn into fucking metal militia halfway. I still won't like it. It just, it just fucking sucks. This is terrible. You know, it's like, really? You really, really had to fucking go end the album with this? You should have just kept... You know what? Turn torn away and straight to the heart. You know what he should have said during both those songs? I'm still getting ready. <laughs> I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to rock. Not yet. Not yet. Then turn, turn away. Don't turn away. Still not ready. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'd have to say this is a hidden <laughs> It's my second favorite song on the album. Oh, boy. I I, actually, I, I do love this song. I heard this song's about cock. <laughs> well, I love it, though. Yeah, that's why you uh, won't turn away. Uh... I don't know what it is about this song, man. I, I really don't. But it Crappy gives me a, musical taste, maybe? It gives me a warm, <laughs> fuzzy feeling. And uh, I, I love everything about this song. I, I really do. Uh, and I would take this over fucking crying in the rain any day. Over, so, over. so it is obvious you are not ready. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready. You're, getting, you're, getting, you're still getting ready. I'm getting ready. I'm not ready yet. You're getting ready to fucking put on high and dry after this. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting ready to hear a good album. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I do like that song, though. Uh, something about, I can't put my finger on it, but I can put my finger in it. Uh, 
I, 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 I dig it. But there are two other songs that are on the European version that uh, I take it you've never heard them. Well, huh? name them. I don't know. I, maybe I have. I, I, I'm not, I wasn't even aware there was a European version of this. Yes. Uh, there are two other songs. One's called Looking for Love. And it's a uh, it's another boring ballad, but I, I like it better than uh, Here I Go Again. But that's not saying much. It's not saying it's a good song. Uh, and then there's another song called You're Gonna Break My Heart Again. And uh, yeah, it's it's gonna break your heart again, Ralph, because it's another shitty song that's still waiting to rock. I it, mean, it, just, it's just right there. Look, listen to the title. I don't know the song, but I can tell you already it sucks. Cause, just because of the title. You're going to break my heart again. In other words, you're so pussy with you're going back to the bitch that broke your heart. You fucking moron. Well, what's, that song, what's that song about? Tawny Katane after fucking she came back from OJ's compound? <laughs> uh, but uh, he's got the song Don't Break My Heart Again, and I love that song. But uh, Oh, that's but, even worse. Like, all right, you're going to break my heart again. At least, you know, he's optimistic. And that one, he's like a pussy, like... Don't break my heart again. <laughs> What's that song? What's that album called? I'm getting ready. Yeah. <laughs> That's the name of their box set. Getting yeah. ready. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still not ready. <laughs> That's the sequel to the box set. The second box set. I'm still not ready. But are you ready? And then there's a fan edit called "Sick of Waiting." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh God. But uh this album man that that's it and i don't suggest you go check out those other two songs because wasn't, wasn't they, there another bonus track going you know what i changed my mind i'm not gonna rock yeah uh not ready to rock uh, i'm taking off my my spandex and i'm going to bed that's the title track but uh there's our review of white snake uh depending on where you lived it was called just white snake in Europe and Australia, it was called 1987. In Japan, it was called Serpent's Abyss. And uh, and it's also called a piece of shit in a lot of areas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, over here it's called that. Here in, in 1614 West Avenue. Yes, I just gave away my address, but not my apartment number. And I wear, and I live in a sec- uh, uh, security uh, condominium where you can't get in. So. Yeah, right now Lee Grisman's going, damn, so close. Yes, that's right. I, I was getting ready. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that guy's ready. Yeah. But, uh, you know, to show you how this, just in the U.S. alone, uh, sold 8 million copies. Uh, peaked at number two. And, uh, yeah, the biggest they ever were. Uh, you know, they came back, with, you know, in 89. But by then, you know, they came back with a weak album. And... The tide was already starting to turn. So you're telling me this this album peaked at number two? Yeah. How appropriate. Number two is also shit. Yes. It was getting ready to go to number one, but never did. <laughs> I got to go do a number two. <laughs> oh, White Snake album. Yeah, okay. oh, here you go again. Yeah, here you go again. But, uh, produced by Mike Stone and Keith Olsen, but uh, yeah. More Mike like Stone Mike Stone. Re- yeah. Uh, so there you go. That is uh, our album review. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure people were like, oh, there, you know, the people that don't like this album, oh, these two idiots are reworking. I got to listen to these two idiots 
praise this piece of shit. And now, and now they're like fist, they're throwing their fists in the air, going, "Fuck yeah, these guys are ready." <laughs> All right, well that's enough of that one. Hopefully, yeah. sometime we do a, a White Snake album I like a little bit more. All right, I'll have to study those blues albums you like. But uh, why don't we go ahead and go into pick of the week? All right. Do you have one, Ralph? Yes, I do. Um, hey, lately I've been having them, yeah. Yeah, I know. You're on a roll. Yeah. And what I'm going to do is, like, the, the drummer on this album, I don't think we, we discussed his name, is uh, Ansley Dunbar. Oh, yes. Yes, uh, that's true. The, who, by the way, this ain't my pick of the week, but a very weird thing I found out about him, like, maybe five years ago, I had no idea. He was in a band called the Ansley Dunbar Project or some shit like that. I, I have both those albums. And I had no idea that band wrote warnings that ended up on the first Sabbath album. I thought that was a Black Sabbath original song. It's actually from the Ansley Dunbar group. Yes. Unbelievable. Anyway, my pick, uh, and this album, uh, this album rocks, believe it or not, and it's a Journey album. Uh, yes, my, my very first Journey album, and I, I love Journey, man, with Steve Perry. A lot of people are like, nah, man, before Steve Perry, they were awesome. Yeah, you're hardcore, man, fuck you. I love Infinity. It's the only album that he played on with Steve Perry. I believe him and Steve Perry didn't get along, and that's why he left the band. But uh, that album is the first album I bought from Steve Perry. It has the hits like Lights and uh, Wheel in the Sky, written by former uh, guest uh, Robert Fleischman. Correct. Uh, my favorite Journey song on there, Winds of March. Uh, Ladu Dadu is fucking heavy as fuck. Uh, Ooh, Anytime That You Want Me, you know that one. And uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, what's the song before that? From Feeling That Way. Uh, oh, man. It's a, Open the Door is a great song. I think it's a great... It's my favorite Journey album. And that is my pick of the week. Featuring Andrew Dunbar and fucking the great Greg Raleigh. Oh, the amazing... My favorite member of Journey. Exactly. I love that guy's voice. Who sang... And let me tell you something. Nothing against those early Journey albums. I actually do like them. I love Next. Next oh, five. great album. Yeah, that's like great. my favorite of the early ones, but I, I think, you know, they, they they just refine themselves on this album, and I think uh, this is, this is to me, their, their greatest. The, the, the next few albums all the way up to Frontiers has a lot of great moments I love, but this one is like, other than uh, You Got Something to Hide, that's the only song I, I, I'm not really too crazy about on the, on the album, but this rest of the album is great. I love it. Great melodic. Uh, hard rock and uh, I love it. I love uh, Journey Infinity. My pick of the week. Yeah, oh, that's that's a great one. And also, I'd recommend uh, you know to our listeners if you don't like like the Steve Perry era, check out those first three. Yeah, they're, they're good. And and really, they're, really good seventies hard rock. And they're uh, progressive too. Very proggy kind of. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. There is an album out there. I have it. It's a double album called In the Beginning. Which features yes. all those songs. Yes. Uh, so, you know, if you don't want to buy all of them, uh, just buy that one, which is a compilation of all three, which is good shit. Yeah, I dig it. I dig, I dig, I'm a Journey fan, dude. And I know, and I was a Journey fan way back in the day when it was really, really uncool like Journey. It's still uncool to like Journey, but nowhere to the degree of when they were around Frontiers. They were like, oh man, it was like liking Bon Jovi, you know. It was that bad, you know, to, to the, the metalheads and shit. I, I got goofed on quite a bit. But, hey, man, I was a Kiss fan, so I was used to it by then. Right. 
just tell them, hey, I'm getting ready. I'm just not there yet. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I, they're ready on Infinity. <laughs> they don't even yeah. have to ask. <laughs> All right. Great pick of the week, by the way. Uh, my pick is the debut album from Fastway. And, uh, man, what a just killer, awesome early 80s hard rock record. You know, it's uh, definitely not Motorhead, but, uh, man, it's just pure early 80s to me. And uh, great vocals by uh, then 18-year-old David King. Wow, he was that young, huh? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, know the, the, the Trick or Treat soundtrack, and that's great. I love that one, too. But the debut album, man, is just, you know, songs like Heft and... Uh, Say what you uh, will is the big oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, there, there, there's more to it than that, you know. We Become One. That's my favorite song on it. Oh, man. Epic. Epic. Another Day? Holy fuck. Yeah, yeah. If, if uh, you know, you, you know the, the Trick or Treat soundtrack and you like that... Oh, this one the... blows it away badly. Badly. Right. I, I mean, I, I like them both, but, yeah. No, 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 Trick soundtrack's not bad, but this one is miles above it. This is a, all fired up. I even like more than Trick or Treat. That's another great album, but still right. not as good as the first one. I saw that. Right. I saw them open their fly the uh, no, flick, flick of the switch tour, and I'll never forget it because their whole backdrop was the checkerboard, and right. uh, and they pretty much played everything off this album except the awesome half. Oh wow! No, and uh, well, half is the bonus track, isn't it? No, it's uh, no. what's the bonus track on this one? It sounds like heft. Uh, they did play heft that night, actually. Now I think about it. It's the bonus track they didn't play. There is a bonus track on the song. Uh, was I, it I don't far, have, far I... from home? Maybe I, I'm not sure. But yeah, e uh, easy living, feel me, touch me. I, I love this song. All I need is your love. It's great fucking hard rock. And yes, nothing like Motorhead. You know, a drastic departure from Motorhead for Fast Eddie Clark. Uh, but I love it. We did talk about this album on the 1983 review, which was a big hit. Oh, yes. The bonus track is Far, Far From Home. Okay. And and it's very much like half. And I also want to bring up something about the 1983 episode. It will be coming up. I'm sure by the time this airs, it's probably not up. But there is a YouTube version that's unedited, and it's four hours long. Yes. Wow. Yeah. It's a, it, it, you know... Just like, you know, take the day off for that one. All right. Well, now it's time to go to Fan of the Week. And uh, Fan of the Week this week is somebody I've had a love-hate relationship with. I've actually kicked him off the, the page. Really? And then brought him back. Because uh, he is a hardcore fan, but boy, does he rub me the wrong way with his shitty taste. And uh, <laughs> you, you just know he loves this album. I'm talking about Australia's <laughs> own T.J. James. Oh, yeah, T.J. I, I never realized uh, he had problems with him. Oh, just, oh, the, the shit he loves. And, you know, he's a Holocaust denier. And by that, I mean he likes uh, Sammy Hagar. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 was, uh, he was a victim of my Sammy Hagar day, man. I just had a shit day one day, and I was just like, you know what? There's no room on this page for fucking Sammy assholes. And I, I kicked off about 12 fucking people. 
And, uh, oh, was, I remember that day. Yeah. Uh, uh, I forgot what it was. One of those guys wrote me saying, hey, man, why'd you take me off the pig? I didn't take you off the goddamn pig. I didn't do anything. And then he realized, yeah, you did. You talked about Sammy Hagar. Who was, oh, I think it was that same guy, TJ, right? Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. That I made him write you? He was one of the victims, yeah. And he, and he kept writing. And there were some others who wrote me back. Another guy I think I added. And then there was one dude I was going to add, and then I forgot. So now I can't remember who he was. But, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of victims that day. <laughs> I, think some, I think Matt Weller's dick put up a poll, and anybody who answered it wrong was fucking gone. I was just like, I don't want you cocksuckers selling up my good page or anybody to think I'm associated with this. Well, then it's something like 5150 against 84 or something like that. Some shit like that. I don't know. I don't know. It's no, no, I th dude, I think it was 5150 against fair warning. I think that's what it was, actually. Oh, then that, then that would have been enough to set me off. Yeah. I can totally see why. Uh, I can't understand, man. You're too nice. <laughs> yeah. Somebody uh, picks 5150 after uh, fucking uh, fair warning. Uh, they should be banished for life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shame on I you, TJ. But, uh, yeah, yeah, TJ fucking, he cried and cried, and uh, and he's actually, he went out of his way. Uh, he sent me a message a couple days ago uh, asking why I haven't read his uh, iTunes review. And I said, well, man, you're, you're down under there sucking off kangaroos. I can't see your reviews. Oh. So he, he, uh, Couldn't taste it. Uh, he emailed it to me. Well, oh, I emailed okay. it. He sent it to me on Messenger. I'll read it on an upcoming episode, but or maybe it'll be on an episode that already aired because this is going on in the distant future, yeah, man. Yeah, but yeah. People should is. know that this is being recorded during Ian's Christmas break, where we have recorded episodes every day. And Ian told me today, bro, can I take tomorrow off? I'm too tired of getting wasted. Oh man, yeah, man, my, my system's woo. But oh, we're I, gonna rejoice next uh, this Friday. I'm not gonna give it away because it'll be the next episode. And just tune into the next episode because I'm gonna get hammered. Oh it's yeah, and, be I, a and Friday I'm, gonna be night. I'm gonna be whiskey drunk myself. <laughs> yeah, because Ian's gonna take a break tomorrow. He's gonna Ian's gonna be away from alcohol a day and a half. So you know that motherfucker's gonna be shaking. Exactly. Um, but another important reason we have to keep TJ around is he is the link uh, to the man who's gonna owe you a hundred dollars come June. Oh, is he? Yes, suppose that. Find out from some other people. He listens to that guy's show religiously and calls in all the time. Let me tell you something, Ian. If that guy pays me a hundred bucks, I'll give you a hundred bucks because I know he ain't gonna pay me no hundred bucks. <laughs> no, like I said, if he does that, you gotta go around to record used record shops, buy up all the Sammy Hagar albums you can, and, and have a bonfire. Yeah. Well, I, I, all I could say is, uh, what's his name again? The guy that owes me, that's going to owe me a hundred bucks. Chris Aiken or Aiken? Chris Aiken will be on every episode after June, mentioned in every single episode. Yeah, if, if he doesn't pay up, he's going to get mentioned like fucking we bash Hagar every episode. Exactly. I mean, yeah, we'll be calling. Well, you know, we'll always set up like like that fucking asshole that Chris Aiken said. That yes. that that that. What, what is the word for a guy that doesn't pay up a bet? A uh, not a moosh. Uh, a welcher? A welcher, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a grapefruit juice. Uh, <laughs> and and not, not only will we mention him, but we will sick our fans on this guy. Because if this guy's got a call in, oh my God, it'd be like, 
Howard Stern proportions, you know, like calling this guy up and pranking him and stuff. <laughs> we, I will sick the full wrath of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast on this guy if if he loses and doesn't pay up. Unless, oh, if what? What do you mean if? Just just say it as it is. If he doesn't pay up, it's not happening. I ain't putting my neck up on the line. Last June, and you know what? He betted me. Betted. Listen to me. <laughs> yeah, he betted me. He, but but when he betted me, I was the fucking pitcher. But this this is what what I meant to say. He bet me that Van Hagar was gonna announce the reunion June first. And what did he say that to me? Like May thirtieth, like the day before June first. And yeah. I was like, holy fuck! I gotta wait a whole year. But uh, yeah, I do have that written down though. I have it, a little notepad on my computer. June first, you know, with the guy's <laughs> name, uh, the Van Hagar bet. Cause I yeah. know I'm gonna win this shit. There's no way I'm not. And boy, it really looks like I'm gonna like I'm gonna win now, don't it? Yeah. Remember that uh, little rumor that flew away, flew around like, like a like a month or so ago, and and that lame ass podcast was making fun of us. <laughs> and then like everything went to shit going. Think it ain't gonna happen. Oh yeah, that, that's gonna be a glorious day. So yeah. he better pay up if he knows what's good for him. Oh yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, well, let's get to the plugs. What do you say? Alright. Ear Peeler, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. Rock show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting Podkissed, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your Podkissed. Every month, the Podkissed crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast, and if you love this... You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sim Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addicts, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. 
Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, and hopefully somebody did, if not, you know, it's getting ready to get good. But yeah. come back next week when a favorite of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Boy, he's sure been here a lot, but he's coming back again. Bobby Blotter's going to be here. Oh, again? oh, really? Oh, my God. And he's ran out of bands to join. So now what he's doing is he's going around as Tony Katane. And he's, <laughs> and he's fucking all of L.A. And he's going to give us the dirt next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. He's ready for cock.